All right, folks, welcome to um, another episode, great episode of Mirror Coffee Roaster warm-up sessions. It doesn't have the exact zing that when Mark <laughs> does it. Mark has the zing with it. You know, he, it just, he's got the voice. Everybody knows the Mark voice. Um, but today it's not the Mark voice, it's the Sergi or Sergey, however you pronounce my name voice. Um, <laughs> I'm already going off. You, how yeah. do you pronounce your name? Dude, so many people ask. That. I know that's why. That's why we should just, we yeah. should just code switches, bro. There you go. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I would say surge is the universal. Surge. It's is it? both. It's the best if of both you, worlds. Yeah, it's because you cut off the complications, the ei or ey complication. Yeah, because it's either Sergey or Sergi, but surge is just. Stop halfway. Yeah, dude. Yeah, a little. It's got the power 70%. to it. It's got the, yeah, the power. Of the surge. <laughs> yeah, and that's why. Come and on, Max folks. is a dad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I got those for yeah. days. <laughs> well, folks, we do have a guest. You can hear the guest, see the guest. Oh, can, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do have a guest on the pod. Um, I think last, if you listened to the last episode, we talked about competition, and we actually shouted out that Max was coming on. So this is the episode probably you've been waiting. I've been awaiting this conversation. Same. Anyway, mm. one of the things we do, pour some batch. So I'm going to pour it again. Yeah. Though, you know. We had a little technical snafu earlier, so we restarted. So That's right. We're re-pouring some. That's right. Which is great because this coffee is delicious. I mean, yeah, the more the, the more the better. So we actually finally might actually drink all of it. I feel so bad. We often like record these podcasts and there's so much left over and it's like, right? We'll just leave it for who not knows. today. Yeah, not today. We're gonna crush this. That's one of the funny things is like folks always comment on us taking this sip on the podcast. They're like, "Man, y'all are never satisfied with your coffee because we jack up the grind size or do something like." Yeah. Oh man, no, not this coffee. There was one coffee, dude, that really impressed us. Yeah. And that's Diego Bermudez. Word. So. Yeah. That so coffee's batch. Yeah. You just throw water at that <laughs> coffee batch. and it tastes yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, throw water. Just throw water at it and it'll wild. taste good. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. um, this coffee is actually from Ilse. Ilsa. Ilsa. Oh, man. It's all right, dude. Dude, jacked it up again as if it was part right. of the script. Um, <laughs> but from Ilsa, it's the Guji Uraga. Um, it's a coffee that both like Mark and I have been like super fond of because we also are roasting a Guji Uraga. And... Um, I think they're, are they from the same producer? I think so. Same farm, kind of something, something along those lines. So. Um, they're tasting very similar, um, except for like when we had that cupping and it was on the cupping table for the three of us, um, we were like super impressed. We're like, dang, this is, this coffee need our coffee needs to taste this good. Mm-hmm. Just super tasty. And um, for us, like all three of us agreed that um, Ilsa's coffees, were like super clear, like mm-hmm. the clarity was like wild. Yeah. So insane. Like right now on batch, I mean, it's been about thirty minutes, like cooling down, yeah. and it's you can taste that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, this is a little, maybe a little over extracted, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. It still definitely has clarity to it. Yeah. There you go, Max. So you fit right into the podcast. Yeah. I love totally. it. It's like, it's like you can't say this. This coffee's dialed. You have to like. It's just I mean, a hair over extracted. It is a little. It's just yeah, a little. Just, there's like two yeah. and a half channels in there. You know, <laughs> like, have, it, there's the English. And the <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let's go. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, the coffee is good though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah and that coffee is actually uh, at narrative. 
Yeah, and sure is. Yeah. Max is the owner of Narrative. That's a, that's one another them, little right? one of them. Yeah, a little mumble right there. Yeah. Um, so super stoked on that. We're going to be talking about narrative. Um, we're going to be talking about the fact that narrative is opening a second location in Bellingham. So I've been super ooh, pumped ooh. about that. Yeah, dude. I'm like, I I keep saying the same thing over and over again. The fact like I'm super excited that I'm part of the team, dude. I am thank super you. excited you're part yeah, of the team. Yeah, so good. Yeah, thank you. I don't Just know what you're talking about. <laughs> jazzed about it, man. Yeah. So um, with that said, um, Max is not only like a coffee professional, he's also a father of two, um, Evelyn and Beckett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. I'm doing better already. And um, he's also a husband. He's also um, moved around. We talked about this earlier, but moved around a lot. That's true. Um, a lot. How many places? Uh, before I graduated high school, 24. 24 places yeah. before high school. Yeah. Wow. Insane. Yeah. It insane. Was a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, I mean, we kind of moved around here and there. You moved around more than I did. I mean, you guys definitely came farther than I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Or did you move from the other Soviet side of the world? Union. Yeah. Really. yeah. <laughs> Not Russia, folks. The Soviet Union. That's right. It's a big difference, man. A little history I lesson. You. I'm going to keep that out, but we'll move forward. All right. <laughs> Deal. No, we moved around um, also within Washington a lot. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah for sure. Yeah. So it's been fun. It's fun. Moving, it's not my thing. Me either. Yeah. yeah. It's, Don't. Yeah, that's why I've really chosen to plant myself where, yeah. where I'm at. Totally. Yeah. yeah um, within, so, gosh, where do we go? Let's pick up from the last episode. The last episode, we talked about competition. Yeah. And we talked about just um, what it can look like as like healthy competition, toxic competition, and how competition can be in general beneficial mm-hmm. um, for the coffee industry, um, whether that's like for the guests that we're serving and um, or just within like baristas, like the challenge, the, the aspect of where you want to get better at your craft and you want to actually serve customers or guests better um that's i think the beauty of competition like personally like you and i have talked a lot about that and the fact like i want to compete because i want to um be challenged but i also like want to grow in my like craft like i love challenges but i love them when i know i can overcome them like (laughs) no one likes to be stuck but and it's also awesome to be like part of a team that fosters that because you yourself are a competitor. Yeah. Uh, you've competed quite a bit. You were sharing yeah. some stories earlier. Yeah. Um, so if you want to just give us a little recap of your competition history. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess it starts my within my first three weeks of being a professional barista. Um, so I started at home um, just learning, reading coffee forums back in like 2012, back when there wasn't nearly as much information that, as readily accessible as it is now. But um, I kind of started back when I was... Um, just doing that just for as a hobby mm-hmm. and uh, I needed to get a second job I was working part-time and I uh, just needed a little extra income I was like you know what? I should just work in coffee um, and so I went and got a job working for Cafe Ladro um, nice. in January of 2013 and um, the manager who hired me um, she's really great her name is Sarah but she was calling to let me know that they had like an in-house barista competition coming up for uh, to represent Cafe Ladro for the Northwest uh, oh, regional nice. barista competition she's like, I think you would probably like it because you're, you know, like a coffee nerd or whatever. And I think you'd probably like it. And I was like, yeah, I would like it. Actually, can I compete in that? Like, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And uh, she was like, uh, let me double check, but probably. And so they let me compete. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
And so I actually practiced at Visions, um, Visions Espresso Service, which is a like wholesaler. Uh, they also sell directly to the public mm. down in Seattle. And um, Cole McBride was running the like a lot of sales stuff there. And um, I had like met him on the internet doing like latte art yeah. and stuff. And he, I was like, hey, can I come practice on your equipment? There's this in-house thing coming up. So he let me. And so uh, he was there and, and helping out with stuff. And it was really cool. So the first time I ever touched commercial equipment was at Visions, um, which was really fun in preparation for this in-house That's competition. Really cool. And so I went and did it. And um, uh, I ended up be getting selected as one of the three kind of people. There was two ahead of me, uh, Ryan Beeson, who worked for me for a little while, and Michael Ryan, who owns a consulting company now, worked for Dapper and Wise for a long time and stuff. And then uh, Sam Spillman, um, who's one of our U.S. Barista champions, mm-hmm. was uh, selected to do, to do Brewers Cup from that same in-house competition. Dang. There was a lot of – that was a fun moment. And um, Wait, so all of y'all worked together? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, at Ladro at the same That's time. That's That was with Layla, too. Okay. So Layla was, wow. like, the coffee educator at Ladro at the time. So she was one of the ones selecting. And Tarek Arak, okay. um, who's another competition – uh, she's a judge, been a judge for years, um, has been around the latte art scene for a while. Um, she manages Cafe Vita's, uh, KEXP, um, Uh cafe now. So yeah, we were all there at the same time. A lot of like Seattle coffee veterans, Mm -hmm. uh, were all kind of there at the same time. It was really fun. Um, so yeah, that was, I got started then did Northwest regional breeze competition, then it transitioned into like Big West. So I did that for a couple of years. Uh, I kind of moved over to Spotted Cow where I was working, um, sourcing mm-hmm. coffee for them and just competed and just have continued to compete up until I think 2018 or 2019 was the last year that I did okay. barista um, just because I needed to make room for some of our staff. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so just kind of coached and did that for uh, a little bit and then the pandemic hit. But yeah. yeah, I've been basically competing since 2013. Yeah. Wow, dude, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't connect the dots. I knew you competed a lot, but that's a long time frame. Yeah. yeah. Are you just then naturally a competitive person? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, good. Co- yeah. Competition runs in in yeah. my family, especially game nights get pretty intense. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. always positive. But yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's not news. Any news for us? Yeah, um, we're as well. Yeah, it's Deal. like if you put us, especially the brothers, on <laughs> yeah. around a monopoly game, dude. It's 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 over. It's like you need like an external monitor that's like not playing in the game. Yeah. It's just like just a referee. Yeah, just a referee. <laughs> uh, just, just an like, umpire calling shots. Yeah, like, exactly. You're out of here. Yeah. Secret trades going on. Yeah. All that above. <laughs> Backdoor deals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, I'll literally give you five bucks. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that makes like competition. I would say like a little easier if that's like the very yeah. nature of like you it, want to do. It this. certainly does. Yeah. yeah. So I've always had like a, a desire to grow and see mm-hmm. myself like understand where I sit in the world. Um, and there is there are a few opportunities to do that that are better suited than like a competition. Yeah. Um, also, I just think that it's really fun. Um, it's kind of a a unique moment and especially in the work, like the rhythm of a working barista Mm -hmm. where you get to just focus in like usually the bulk of your like coffee education and coffee training when you're a barista comes at the very beginning. And then kind of, there's not uh, usually set aside time for continued education and those sorts of things, depending on the company you work for. Maybe your company cares a lot about that and that sort of stuff. But 
that's not the normal. Um, and I always found as a working barista, that it was really nice to have like a rhythm to be able to set aside yearly of like, this is the time I'm going to devote to understanding this product. Um, and really putting everything I got into this and, you know, kind of seeing where it goes and, um, just the amount of innovation that we've seen come from, from the competition Mm -hmm. circuit is unbelievable. Um, so I, I firmly believe that competition almost always leads to innovation and improvements, it certainly can become toxic. Um, yeah. and I'm sure you guys spend plenty of time talking about that. Um, yeah. and it definitely can be, um, there's like a sort of, especially within the coffee industry, there's a sort of like hierarchy of importance and competition sits pretty high up there and mm-hmm. it probably doesn't deserve the like penultimate spot. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, yeah. it is a powerful and important thing, but it's not the only way to vet or show your metal as a barista, you know, it, yeah. it's just a way, um, it happens to be a really rigorous and structured one, which is really helpful, but yeah. Um, yeah, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think of competition. Um, there's a Pips donuts in, in Portland, mm-hmm. they have yeah. a really famous phrase that's become like kind of almost the norm in conversation these days, but it's a community over competition. Mm-hmm. And I really like yeah. that. I love the spirit of that. I would kind of change mine just a little bit to say the community in competition, um, uh, because I have good. found so much community yeah. inside the, like the, the group of people that end up competing and doing mm-hmm. things. And I've just met so many amazing people. And, um, so it's just been really cool. I like, I think barista competitions are really fun in the sense that, um, when I approach them, I don't think of myself as competing against other people. Mm-hmm. I just see it as a way of competing against myself. Yeah. Um, and having a, a real opportunity to get actual substantive feedback and that sort of thing. So, yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah I, I agree. I think even like I haven't competed on those levels, but even like latte art throwdowns, mm-hmm. like going to latte art throwdowns and meeting new people in the industry mm-hmm. and like creating friendships from that and then meeting different cafe owners and it just develops like a network of people and also like a community of like friends. Yeah. So I, I mean, personally, I've really enjoyed that like yeah. I've, I've loved that part of competition but also i agree like it challenges you kind of step up to the game mm-hmm. like in a, in a different way than like day-to-day um work in the cafe yeah. so from all of that like you, you you started competing very very early in your coffee career mm-hmm. and you started working for different cafes and then at some point where does you starting your own cafe come in the picture so funny enough, um, it actually starts before I started working in cafes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, the name for narrative and even like our Facebook page has been in existence since before I started working for cafes because I made a joke about this earlier um, before we were on the mic, but uh, I was one of those people who started with a popcorn popper and then started roasting coffee. And then people were like, I want to buy your coffee because you know, they're friends or whatever. And then I was like, well, I should make a name for it and yeah. decided I was <laughs> going to start a roasting company or whatever off of a 50 gram at a time popcorn popper, which is a <laughs> terrible idea. Don't do that um but i did um and so i kind of picked out a name for it and then um then once i started working in coffee um i worked for a company that was called spotted cow that's now called visible coffee roasters it's been gone through a few owner changes and that sort of thing but um i started working there after ladro for a little bit and um I just really love realize that I love retail coffee and serving guests in a cafe setting, um, a lot more than like roasting. Mm-hmm. Roasting is a very technical, um, craft that takes a lot of like self-reflection, a lot of careful, detailed understanding. And you also have to be okay with like not talking to people for a while. Yeah. And like, I am just not that person. <laughs> like I just need to talk to people, yeah, um, totally. which has made owning a cafe actually a little more difficult. Cause I've spent way more time behind a desk than I would mm-hmm. like to. Um, 
but uh, anyway, I realized just how much like I loved retail. Um, and so when I was working at Spotted Cow, uh, I had kind of running into some structural challenges as a father and a husband, um, just in terms of my overall earning potential and the team that we had at the company at the time was really amazing. So there weren't really any openings that were going to kind of be giving me opportunities to grow. Yeah. And, um, we were looking at possibly expanding, um, with the intention of being able to like create more positions to where, you know, I could fill in some of those and, you know, advance my career and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. It just didn't, the timing just didn't work out for, for that. The owners decided that they didn't want to pursue expansion and that sort of thing. And so I took the expansion proposal that I had put together for Spotted Cow. Um, I had recommended Everett as a place to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believed in the, the city and everything that was going on there and converted that expansion proposal into a business plan um, that gotcha. I then put na- narrative's name on and yeah. like turned it into what it is now. Yeah. So, yeah. Which so, you just, you just talked a little bit about like, that you just like love to talk and how that like opening a cafe model was more kind of fit more closer with who you are as a person, um, which kind of just leads me to think about like, um, I think a lot of your, uh, <clears throat> your personal values as a business owner, I think naturally just pour into uh, the business's values or yeah. in this case, narrative's values. Um, what do you think are some of the core like values that, you've instilled into narrative or you want to drive narrative by and what are some experiences that have, that have built that up? Mm-hmm. Like, man, that's yeah. a, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that that's super true. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that, um, a lot of times as leaders, you end up making little images of yourself all throughout your, like any group that you're leading or anything like yeah. that. Some of that's like just by the nature of things, but some of it's just the way that it happens. Yeah. Um, And those happen either through intention or with non-intention. So I'll share a couple of, I'll share positive intention things that have shown up in narrative and also maybe an unintentioned negative that has shown up. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the big ones for me are, we have four main values and those drive everything that we do. Um, Those were very obviously intentionally chosen. Um, Hospitality is paramount is number one. Quality offered humbly is number two. Making room for everyone is number three and creating community is number four. And they're roughly in hierarchical order. So like they not only are they values in the sense that like we want people to embody these in terms of how they interact with guests and those sorts of things, but they're also decision making um, rubrics. Oh, nice. So the idea is that like you're any leader, any business owner, even any just person in general is going to run into uh, more opportunities than they can say yes to in a feasible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find particularly in business or even just anything in life, um, having a m- mechanism to decide what to say no to yeah. is really important because it helps you say yes to the things that matter the most. Because what can happen a lot of times is your yes. time will get eaten up with things that aren't maybe essential. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, when opportunities to do what is essential comes up, your time is now spread too thin and you don't have mm-hmm. the bandwidth to do that. So part of the crafting of these four values was also in being able to pick values that made sense to empower our staff to make decisions um, on the floor and in any side of the business that they're in. So for baristas, that looks like, you know, ultimately do what creates the most hospitable situation for our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like quality is right up there with hospitality, but ultimately at the end of the day, 
hospitality wins out a little bit for us, mm-hmm. you know, and there are some people who this was probably more common back, um, in like the mid, mid 2000 or aughts teens, I guess, like 2014 to 2016 or 17 or so. Um, but there was a pretty solid trend there for a while of like no syrups, no additions, no nothing added to our coffee. This should be only as it is. Right. And to me, like that creates an environment where it doesn't offer the most hospitality for people. And mm-hmm. It doesn't create mm-hmm. a, an opportunity for my staff to be winsome and helping invite people into the the community of coffee. And so like, you know, we made specific choices around that. Obviously quality is super important to us and we spend a lot of effort, you know, as yeah. you guys have now experienced a little bit of what our cupping pro- process is like, yeah. uh, you know, we spend a lot of effort going through all of this to make sure that our quality remains really high. And then we have a system for continually evaluating quality because mm-hmm. quality is one of those things where, it necessarily will diminish if it's not, if there are not intention kept in inputs yes. into the system the entire time, it will mm-hmm. diminish um, just by the nature of how it works. Um, Kyle Glanville once said that you can only detract from quality of coffee. Yeah. You can't add quality to it. And I think that's really real. Yeah. So, um, but uh, anyway, so w- those four values, I think those ultimately are driven also out of who I am. Um, you know, hospitality is really important to me. Uh, A thing I share frequently within our company is just that the root word for hospitality is a Latin word called hostess, and it meant stranger or enemy. Um, And so, like, it's the same root word that's used in hosting someone or also a hospital or a hotel um, or to be hostile to someone, um, Mm. to act in capacity as an enemy towards somebody. Interesting. Um, So it's the same word that kind of feeds all of these words that show up in English language. Um, but the art of, of hospitality is, is the art of transforming a stranger or an enemy into a friend. Um, and that is just like so central to who I am (laughs) because of all the moving experiences that I've had and all of the like, uh, challenges that I've had and all the different places I've lived. I've had Mm -hmm. a, maybe a set of experiences. Human beings are always the sum of their experiences, right? Like you are always the total of every experience you've ever had. That is who you are. And not a lot of people have had the same set of experiences that I have um, and haven't connected with all the same types of people that I have. Um, And so uh, I'm often known for being like kind of a caught in the center kind of person. Um, I try to think of it as bridge building, but some people would call me like lukewarm. (laughs) Um, uh, But it's partly because I've just met so many people throughout the years with so many different perspectives um, that it's really helped me gain an understanding for how people work a lot of times, regardless of maybe their perspectives about the world or their opinions on any given sort of thing. Um, And in particularly polarized times, like the last couple of years that we've had, um, that really shows up for me in ways that is sometimes uncomfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's also, uh, it really reflects my values in the sense of hospitality and that I want everyone to be welcomed in our spaces and be treated thoughtfully and carefully Mm -hmm. um, and with respect, you know, so... I think that's very much part of, of who I am. Um, you know, and uh, like just to be abundantly clear, narrative is owned by two people, myself and, and Richard mm-hmm. Orr. Um, and I am a, a Christian. Um, and so like my values in that particular way, particularly from hospitality, stem from that mm-hmm. worldview. But Richard's not necessarily, I actually don't know where he lands on mm-hmm. matters of faith, but mm-hmm. uh, narrative is not a Christian business or anything like that. But um, that is a, definitely a thing that has been influenced by that aspect of my life that um, I see clearly showing up in the business. It's, there's not really a way around it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just is what it is. Um, so, and then, you know, the quality component of things. Um, 
again, my one of my values is just excellence and trying to do anything that I'm going to do, any work that I'm going to do, I want to do it to the best of my ability, um, especially with something meaningful, right? Like yeah. I'm okay with letting some things fly. You know, I don't have to have the very best toilet paper in the world or something like that. <laughs> Wait, you know? Max, you don't? No, I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Dude, some people, uh, you know, I, like, I was sharing with a friend that I like Mountain Dew and they were like, you like Mountain Dew? Are you crazy? Uh, and they're like, I expected a person of your palate to like not like that. I was like, whoa, hold off. Like, first off, my I've been drinking Mountain Dew since I was a kid because my mm-hmm. mom loved it. Uh, but second off, like, I it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not making Mountain Dew for a living, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't have to have that. Like, uh, you know, I grew up eating spam and like Vienna sausages, which are objectively <laughs> <Yes>. bad, <laughs> but I like them. Um, you know, it's like, yeah. they're, they are not the best version of meat possible, but yeah. I, it's, it's, again, it, that doesn't have to be done with excellence in my life, but the things mm-hmm. that I do and I orient my life around, I want to be done with excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, so that quality component, but with humility, right? Like that's again, influenced by my experiences in the world and just the, like, the people that I've connected with over time have shown me that, you know, a lot of times when people get haughty or like proud, um, it's sometimes rooted in an oppositional sense of like, I'm better than that person. Yeah. Right. It's like almost always other centered. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, humility is about knowing where you stand in the world. Um, you know, even if you are very good at what you do, you know, it's like, and I, I think like I've been to a lot of cafes and I feel pretty confident that narrative is doing a very good job in the mm-hmm. overall spectrum of things, but it's like, that is, in no way reflective of how we relate to other companies, just how we relate mm-hmm. to ourselves and what we're doing. Yep. Um, so, you know, yep. like that humility component is really important to me and like mm-hmm. not making people feel bad if they come in and they don't know what some special, like if someone comes in and is like, well, I, can I get a caramel macchiato or something? And like that? Yeah, totally. I got you. Yeah, no problem. I, I will make you something that's like that. You know, I'll explain it. I'm not going to educate you and like force you to think about this the same way that I do. Like, mm-hmm. I know what yeah. you mean. I, yeah. I know what you meant. Like, I can understand what you're saying. Like, no problem. I can make that for you, you know? And so a lot of people just, they're like, no, it's this way. You mean a macchiato is this big, <laughs> you, yeah. you know? And it's yeah. just like kind of pretentious and makes them feel bad yeah. for not knowing some secret language that you have, yeah. Yeah. you know, which is why like our menu just says espresso and milk. It doesn't say latte or macchiato or cappuccino or any of those kinds of things. It's like, I don't yeah. expect you to know Italian to be able to come in here and yeah. order a, a drink, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, that's where that humility kind of comes good. in there. So, yeah, that's good. And then again, the making room, um, at our table for everyone, like just again, all that, my background and my history of like, just how many experiences I've had has mm-hmm. led me to know that like the world does not work in the same way that my experience would make, like many people think that their experience is the universal for how the world works. Um, particularly people who look like me, <laughs> that's like yeah. a pretty common thing that happens. Right. But it's like, that's not the only experience in the world. There are plenty mm-hmm. of other experiences out there. And like having met a number of people over the years, it's like, Oh, okay. Like maybe the world yeah. doesn't work exclusively the way that I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like that value is very much driven from like, I've learned that other people who have different perspectives, experiences, they bring so much value and life and just insight to your world. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, creating community, obviously, is something that's really important to me. Um, 
But I want to get to the negative things because there are a couple of things that I that are a reflection of my personality that have shown up in a negative way in the company yeah. um, that happens too. And one of the big ones is just that like, Sergi will know this from having sat in on our meetings now, but <laughs> uh, it's just like communication, remembering to communicate is usually one of my biggest things that I forget to do. Cause I just have so much th- little stuff going on in my brain that I like mm-hmm. forget to explain that to other people. <laughs> um, and so like, that's just a, a natural like thing that I naturally just forget to do. Um, I'm generally a little bit forgetful. Um, like I, I'm not one of those, like I'm more of a vision oriented person, not like a nitty gritty details oriented kind of person. And so like, I forget to do small things a lot. Um, like I'll, Sergi knows this too. I like misplace stuff frequently and like, I'll just like not know where stuff is sometimes. So like if it doesn't have a rigid system, that's always that way. I will totally forget it. <laughs> and so um, that's very much been like a lot of our effort. In the, for, and that's our big focus for this year is improving those kinds of systems. So that way those things don't get missed yeah. because that's just who I am. Right. And like there, that is not a moral judgment on me. Right. Like I don't feel as a, like I'm a bad person for, for having that, mm-hmm. but it is a, a, it is something that will manifest itself in a negative way in the company long term if it doesn't get addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that looks like building systems and f- having people around me who are better at those kinds of things than I am yeah. to help fill those gaps in, um, you know? And so it's just like that, that will happen for any organization, any person, any leadership experience that, that happens. Right. Yeah. And you have a couple of options. You can get defensive and frustrated about it and like make, take it personally, or you can just say, you know what, like this is not, doesn't say anything bad about who I am, but this will create problems and we should fix those. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, a thing that like is part of who I am. That's maybe not ideal for owning a business, but is also like real talk, just the way it goes sometimes, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it happens. Sure. I think over how long have we been working together? Like five, four months. Four months? Four, four yeah. Months, yeah. I think uh, one of the things like over the last four months I've noticed is you personally a very intentional person, mm-hmm. um, which makes narrative a intentional place. Yeah. So how did this Thanks. model, um, uh, just being a multi-roaster one, but also how you choose coffees because that plays a role in hospitality. That plays a little role in like inclusion, community and quality. Um, how did that model come together? Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll explain how we source coffees just that way people know. So, um, the way that we source coffees is a little bit different than most multi-roasters or any roaster or coffee shop, generally speaking. But, um, we have a competition actually, uh, it's basically a, a competitive cycle every two months where roasters will send us samples and then we go through and anonymize those samples and then we grade them and cup them. Um, cupping, if you're unfamiliar is the process where you add coffee and water together only in a cup. And then you knock down the grounds to the bottom of it and then you um, drink that. So there's no filtration at all. It's just coffee and water. It helps mm-hmm. give you the most maybe accurate sort of representation, yeah. ideally in the most accurate representation of what a coffee is going to be. Um, uh, so we do that. Um, and then there's a there's different ways that people taste coffee. If, you're, if you've been around the industry for a while, you'll be familiar with like the Q grading process and all of that. That's around like coffee grading in terms of like that is specifically to help set prices for coffees, um, help find defects, like major defects that, that negatively impact the flavor yeah. of coffee. But they don't always, they're not like flavor profile oriented really. Like they're just meant to describe the quality of a coffee, not like whether people 
whether you necessarily would like a coffee or not, right? Like you can have a, a high scoring coffee that's a little more like herbal and vegetal and you can have a high scoring coffee that's more like fruity and jammy, you know, and like those can yeah. score the same thing. They can come out with the same score. So I sort of built a 10 category cupping um, form that is my best attempt at getting close to what I want to buy coffees for, for our guests. Um, it kind of helps bring those qualities forward. So did that, put it on a zero to 10 scale for each category. So hundred points total. And, uh, in the specialty or in the like Q grading cupping protocol, like 80 is a, is a specialty floor. So anything above an 80 is a specialty coffee. And the functional range is between 80 and like 92 to 94. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, you don't normally see coffees beyond that range, um, on a, like an official Q graders cupping scale. Um, so that's, oh. I just basically took that usable workable scale and tried to put it on a 10 point. Yeah. like actually 10 okay. points. Yeah. Um, so anything that's not specialty just doesn't get graded. It's just a zero. And then, um, you know, like the best coffees I've ever had, I think I, I scored it like a 91 maybe, you know, so it comes into a similar place. I'm still trying to leave a little room at the theoretical top because I yeah. have had my mind blown still after yeah. working in coffee all these years, I've had coffees that blew my mind and I'm like, I've never tasted anything like this. Um, so anyway, I built this, the scale for it. So roaster send us in samples, anonymize them, grade them on that scale we go through and cup them and then select uh, basically what it does is each each coffee the roaster sends in they send between three and five mm -hmm. so each coffee gets its score the roaster's score gets uh, averaged out of those scores with the lowest score being dropped if they send four or five coffees uh, and then we work with the two highest scoring roasters for that two month period of time um and I came up with that idea for a couple of reasons. Number one is back to the, the values that we have mm -hmm. of quality being offered humbly. Yeah. Quality is, um, in coffee, it is 100% about taste, um, period, right? Yeah. Like for defects sure. are because they are negative taste <laughs> attributes. Yeah. Um, sure. And there's a little bit of a problem in coffee. And this is just uh, not even just in coffee. It's like human psyche in general but where branding and like the sort of things that are tertiary to quality and taste um, can influence decision-making past the actual taste. Yeah. And so um, that is a, a problem uh, that I am interested in, in addressing. And I'm a human being just like everybody else. And I have my eyes deceive me as well. You know, it's like anytime I see those like 3d illusions, like <laughs> I fall prey to those too. I'm not yeah. some superhuman. Um, and so my doing it this way is built as a way to help avoid my own internal biases, mm -hmm. um, against maybe bad packaging or stuff like that, because I want to create the best experience for guests possible. Yeah. I also, um, as a, as a coffee company that does not roast, um, it is really common for, retail coffee companies to be known by the roaster that they serve yeah. and have their brand directly affected by the roaster that they serve and mm -hmm. not by the coffee company itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like a coffee, a coffee bar opens and they serve, you know, I don't know, pick a roaster that's common, like Stumptown or yeah. Intelligentsia or like, Oh, that's a counterculture account or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you, you literally think about it by the roaster that they serve, not the cafe itself. Yeah. And I was really interested, like um, roasting is something that like, I'm not, unopposed to doing it's in our business plan of eventually wow. doing um but it's ultimately not like it is not essential to what i'm wanting to do right now which is mm -hmm. introducing 
like I started this way because I wanted to introduce Everett to specialty coffee. And I felt like yeah. this was the best way to do that. Um, having this multi-roaster model because I could show people in Everett that like there are a lot of places that are doing coffee like this. They just mm -hmm. haven't had it yet. Um, and so it was sort of positioned as a way to introduce specialty coffee to Everett, mm -hmm. um, in a quality forward way. Um, and then, uh, without branding, like uh, impacting things too much. And also, so that way, when we, when we were building our brand, it was around narratives brand and not directly attached to somebody else's brand, yeah. which is no shade to anybody else's brands. It's just, that's not, I don't want my brand equity attached to some other brand. I've seen it so many times where like a coffee company will be serving some roaster and then all of a sudden like that roaster has some like serious ethical problems or something. And then it like tanks that whole company, you know? And like, I'm just not interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in like my customers knowing that they can trust us. Mm -hmm. Right. And if our roaster that we're working with, if their quality dips, like I need to have yes. a fair mechanism for treating them mm -hmm. fairly. Yeah. Right. And so like sometimes systems are the best way to enforce fairness. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's part of my hope with this is that every two months it gets reevaluated. Right. Because again, quality is one of those things that will dip if it's not given consistent input. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're not consistently QCing, if you're not consistently uh, quality controlling, uh, if you're not consistently like reevaluating where things are at, it will eventually just kind of get lost a little yep. bit. So having a rigid kind of consistent system was my way of saying like, okay, like we're going to make sure that we consistently have the best available product to work with at any given point in time. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of why we landed there. The other component is that I have a lot of friends in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you have a lot of friends, um, being honest with people is really tough when you're friends with them and what they're doing is not great. Um, and it can hurt feelings. Um, and even within this system, it can still hurt feelings, but I also think that like genuine, honest feedback is so much more helpful to people, um, than kind of veiled things to protect how yeah. they feel about a given thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because the reality is, and you guys would know this, yeah. the reality is, is this is people's entire lives go into roasting company. Like they, this is not just something that people do for fun for the most part. Like yeah. most people, they've invested their everything into this. This is yeah. like every, they're giving this everything they've got. And to yeah. hear that that is yeah. not as good as somebody else giving it everything that they've got can yeah. hurt bad. <laughs> like that can hurt yeah. so bad. Um, and I care about people and I don't want to, I'm not out to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, but the reality is, is that for a lot of folks, if I, just, it would be uncomfortable to do that, um, outside of this environment where everybody's getting handled and treated the same exact way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I so think, I think your value actually, uh, before you started, went on that little rant. Yeah. Um, I think your value of like community and serving people, um, as much as it does hurt, you know, to receive some kind of feedback that made me feel uncomfortable. I think there's like a unique and special bond that actually grows mm -hmm. out of like really genuine and authentic conversation and yeah. feedback, even though, you know, two people may not agree. And totally. it's not the difference of like your coffee sucks and yeah. this person doesn't. Totally. It's more yeah. like sometimes it's, um, and we've talked about this before. Sometimes it's like, do you think it's great? I, my preference just isn't there totally. with yeah. it. And yeah. and to be able to have those conversations, I think actually fosters like a very unique mm -hmm. and incredible relationships Yeah, where, totally. especially with someone like you who has, you know, relationships across the industry everywhere. Mm -hmm. 
I think there's something there's something beautiful there that actually um, I think actually even more instills the that value of community even more so that yeah. um, I love you know cool. so yeah that's I think right. I'm glad like, to hear that. <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah. for sure for us even just as mirror like we've submitted coffees a couple of times and I think mm-hmm. this last time we submitted like I think it changed something for me because of how like you and I have worked together. I got mm-hmm. to know you. We got to know each other in yeah. understanding like the culture of narrative, like mm-hmm. submitting coffees this time around. I felt like safe. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it wasn't about like, Oh, quote unquote, like being chosen or not. Yeah, or, totally. It was more or less like, man, like I feel safe in this environment where I can present my coffees, mm-hmm. present like myself and my work yeah. at where I'm at, be able to know that I will be received equally. Yeah. But then also know that, man, we're going to receive some feedback that we, at the end of the day, again, trust. Yeah. Um, so it really creates this atmosphere. Like, I think in general, like what I've loved at narrative is the fact that like, there's this atmosphere or what I wanted to ask you is like culture. Like yeah. there's this culture of like one inclusion, but also like that humility aspect. Like when you go up to order at narrative, um, like the wild and tame, even parameters on the menu, like mm-hmm. give you options and they allow you to choose safely. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey, you can have a good tasty coffee and it won't like gross you out. Cause there's some like crazy wild coffees that are still good. But for some folks, totally. it's just like, that's not coffee. That's not what I wanted. Yep. Well, that's not. And, and sometimes within specialty coffee, like when those like crazy coffees are being served, they sometimes don't create a safe atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But narrative has fostered that. You've like fostered a safe atmosphere with high end quality. Yeah. And I think Thanks. within that whole um, aspect, like that, uh, one of my questions for you is like, dude, like how do you define culture? Cause we talk about that a lot, right? <laughs> like yeah. we throw that around like, oh man, like this place is great culture, it's toxic culture, culture, yeah, this totally. and that. But there's like sort of this vagueness around like what yeah. does it mean? You know, I don't know if I can give you a, a straight answer on that either. You know, I'm uh, I'm sure a sociologist would be better suited <laughs> for that particular task. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's the it's the outward expression of internal attributes of mm-hmm. a given environment, right? So like it it expresses itself in traditions and systems in processes in conversation and language and um like the ambience mm-hmm. and the like just the interpersonal relationships like culture is interwoven into all of those things because it's like an an expression of those kind of like internal realities around a given place right it's yeah. really complicated but it's like when you think of cultures broadly like different cultures right like think of like american culture you know mm-hmm. it's very much driven by like com- competition and like innovation and like a lot of that's driven based on the systems that we have just like the economic systems and the yeah. like the political systems like everything in the united states is oriented around like competing <laughs> because yeah. you know it's like started from this value of like competition brings value right like it it allows value to rise to the top um if all all is done well right and so like it's sort of the outward expression of these all of these characteristics right like the way that we speak to each other the kind of environments and those sorts of things so i think it's just like the yeah just the 
it's not just feeling, but it definitely feeling is involved in it. But yeah, um, yeah, culture is just it's complicated. It is, I, I don't yeah. have a clear answer for you, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think it's just reflected in so many aspects of a given thing, and it's one of those things when you know it when you see it, and you don't when yeah. you don't. You know. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's why it's one of those words that um, we use a lot, is yeah. because once we feel it and once we experience like oh, good culture, mm-hmm. uh, the word comes out naturally. It's yeah. like, oh man, that's what I'm, ta- uh, what you're talking about. You totally. can't like, in a sense, um, kind of define it by this like formulaic, um, like systematic way, mm-hmm. but it's almost like a living organism it between is. multiple organisms. Absolutely. Like people, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I definitely think that it is an organism. Like, you know, it, it, culture, like bacterial culture yeah. self-replicates right yeah. like and if you have healthy good culture that tends to create more healthy good culture but yeah. if you have unhealthy negative culture it tends to beget more <laughs> negative unhealthy yeah. culture you know so it definitely has that sort of organic feel to it yeah. um, because it is functionally the outward expression of a bunch of organic beings just mm-hmm. kind of living sure. together you know yeah so you know, uh, yeah. you mentioned something way earlier that I've been thinking about, um, about, uh, that when you were talking about the negative aspect of, um, narrative or yourself that yeah. seeps into narrative, mm-hmm. um, which I was like, I think that uh, what ties into a little bit of like culture is that like the hard thing I think with running a business is that a lot of those, like what you said that, uh, this negative attribute may not be bad right now, mm-hmm. but it it'll soon seep into the business and will be harmful in the future. Mm -hmm. And the difficult part I think is that as a business owner or in leadership or in, in those places of our society that a lot of those things get really quickly exposed because Mm -hmm. well, you're, you're put under pressure, whether that's Mm -hmm. like making sure your business survives or Mm -hmm. you have to lead, you know, your staff members or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it just gets really difficult and so when you're in those pressing moments, a lot of times those things like start to seep out Totally. and having humility is huge part of that Definitely. and being yeah. able to just apologize and mm-hmm. in the scope of like this culture conversation to be able to say, Hey, sure, this wasn't right. Mm-hmm. How can we adjust yeah. instead of like, you know, just sweeping it under the rug. Totally. Um, and yeah, sometimes like those, those things are what build culture but it also has to do with a lot of many things it's not just that one thing totally yeah yeah Yeah, i think you know and some of that so much of that is attached to like pride and ego you know and it just Mm -hmm. like it again it hurts when you receive feedback that's not always positive yeah um and leaders um there's sort of a couple there's a few different kind of personality types that end up doing leadershipy kind mm-hmm. of things, but you know, like narcissists um, frequently end up in leadership positions because it's like the aspects of leadership are often attracted to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, like that unfortunately has led to a lot of negative outcomes in places because people just can't, you know, they, they can't take that. They, it just feels like direct attack a lot of times. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, for me, the, I don't think of humility, like there's a lot of people out trying to define humility, you know, and like there's a few different ways you can do it. There's a really common one from an author named C.S. Lewis where it's like, it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know if I vibe with that one quite as much. Mm-hmm. I, to me, real humility, like when I look at people and I'm like, that person is humble. 
um, when I, the same ask, like the thing that, that characterizes all of those people is that they just know their place in the world. They know where they sit. They know what they're good at they, and what they're not yeah. good at. They don't have an overinflated view of it mm -hmm. either positively or negatively, right? Because you know, you, I can know, I know so many people who view themselves more negatively than they ought to as well. Yeah. And that has its own sort of like pride attachment, For sure. you know? And so it's just like when you, when you do know where you sit in the world, you know that when you have like negatives and you know mm -hmm. that those things need to get worked on, you know, and like, and for me, it's like, if I'm going to offer feedback to people in a real substantive way regularly, <laughs> I had better be willing to deal with my own it, negative yeah. feedback yeah, right. when it's yeah. provided in a substantive yes. way, you mm -hmm. know? So it's just like, and it helps me, right? Like my, one of my goals for the cupping system that I have, have created is not only just that it's like helps me, but it also should help other people. And like, that's why, um, if anyone is listening to this has ever sent me coffee and they felt a little discouraged, I would encourage like, and they just didn't want to send coffees again until they felt really excited about their menu. I would encourage you not to think of it as a competition to be won or lost, but as a, f like a, a tracking tool to help track yeah. your progress. Yeah. We've talked about We've talked about this. Yeah, yeah. cool. Like, Great. This, yeah, this last cupping for us, I think, was like, hey, we're not even we're not even trying to, you know, win necessarily yeah. or anything. We win, we lose. Great. But it's the feedback that we're yeah. like, we love. We just want a good blind feedback and send it yeah. in there. Totally. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. And so, like, that's my that's like my hope is that people can use that as a tool to just mm -hmm. you know like track and see like are the changes that you're making having the impact for people who aren't coming to it with all the all the big things in the back of your mind right like yes. we come to experiences very differently right yes. and like i am tasting that for the very first time i don't know where that coffee is i have no idea how long it's been sitting in your mm -hmm. warehouse well, i mean sometimes i do yeah. <laughs> you know it's like sometimes i'm like that coffee is very old and super baggy <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's like yeah. but I, you know i don't have all that history i'm just trying to give you at least my my experience in my yeah. perspective and uh, out of my preferences. Right. For sure. Um, and sometimes I'll give you an objective, like this has this quality to it. Mm -hmm. I'm positive. This was a, a, an actual defect, you know, like there are some times when I've gotten phenolic defects and those sorts of things and we'll call them out and, yeah, yeah. um, you know, and just to like, let people know, like, yo, like this had a severe medicinal problem and has a, a very severe processing issue that you really yeah. should keep an eye out. Yeah. You know, so, but the hope is that it's like a useful feedback thing and like, like getting that feedback is kind of difficult. And a lot of times you have to pay somebody to give you that feedback, you know? And it's like, in theory, you are paying me like you're, it, or you're not paying me, but it's still costing you something to send me coffee. Yeah. Right. And especially the roasters that want to send like the full packaging with all the, like, you know, they send this out to all the pr prospective accounts and it's yeah. like this gorgeous box with all these gorgeous bags in it. Of course. That does not matter to me. Literally do not send that. Like, Put your coffee in a small Ziploc bag, send it in the cheapest way possible. Give me 25 grams of each coffee and I am a happy man, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how my system works. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't need your fancy package. Just spend as little money as possible to get me that coffee, please. You yeah. know, because yeah. um, yeah. it's like, otherwise it's going to just get spread out to our staff or like do donating to the local homeless shelter, you know? And yeah. it's like, th those are good things, of course, but like ultimately, you know, just get it to me for as cheaply yes. as you can and, yes. you know, go from there. So for sure. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that's one uh, like the cupping protocol and just how you choose coffees is uh, what I see and what I hear you saying. It's like 
it's one way you've implemented in a sense like a mirror to see your blind spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't you you want it to be objective to as much as you can get to mm-hmm. being objective when you're choosing your coffee, yet allowing your subjective preference to play yeah. a role. Um, I think in general understanding, like being self aware that we have we all have blind spots. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, like what we produce, like our businesses, like are going to have blind spots. Of course. So um, what are some, like, I I think that's one, but maybe more on, like, a relational level or even, like, a system that you've implemented that allows you to be, like, have that mirror to -hmm. see that blind spot. So what are some systems? Yeah, what are some? Yeah. Yeah. I think right now maybe some of the ones that we're dealing with, like, going through as a whole company is, Mm -hmm. like, just the, like, communication systems through the company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, we're currently implementing like more regular structured meetings and things that like have sort of been like on a case by case as needed basis, yeah. but haven't created like a rhythm and like a, a routine around those things that help create space and safety for people. Right. Cause like that, that's one of the things that we've been working on really hard as a whole company is like having regular like staff meetings and doing that regularly and then having like one-on-ones and all sorts of things. And these aren't new, like we're not, doing this we're not the first people to do this or anything like that but uh they're just things that we haven't really implemented yet um you know just because there's a lot of stuff to deal with as a business owner as leaders and like you know you're trying to juggle 90 billion different things and you're every different like uh, revenue stream and like marketing and hr and you know business management and taxes and like there's just so much stuff to keep track of you know and anything that doesn't have a system will fall through the cracks um and one of our managers alex he's been reading a book called uh atomic habits and he has a quote that he shared with us a couple of times that Mm -hmm. he shared today actually in one of our in our uh manager meeting but he said you don't rise to your goals but you fall to your systems um and i think it's maybe maybe some of both, right? Yeah. Like if I'm, but I, I haven't read the context of that, but I do yeah. think that, that as a phrase is powerful, right? Cause mm-hmm. yeah. your systems ultimately are, they are a catch tool. <laughs> like they're the parachute. They're the bungee jump, like the bungee cords that help, yeah. you know, keep you anchored. Um, and the cupping system is one of those that's like been a regular for us. So like having these regular meetings, having one-on-ones, having like a system of communication that's like being, communicated through uh, universally like everybody knows that this is happening and then we're having follow-through on it and those sorts of things it's like been a big effort and that's just again one of those things where like i i'm really open like you can ask me any question like if you Mm -hmm. ask me how much like if any of our staff asked me how much is in our bank account today i will tell them uh Mm -hmm. i just do not remember to communicate those kinds of things Mm -hmm. regularly with people and so it's like the without doing that, like without having a system that forces me to do that, I will forget period, you know? Um, and so it's like implementing those helps to correct for those things. Um, and at a large level now, like financial transparency within a company is not always normal at like large levels, but it, it should be, it will be for us. Mm -hmm. But the, like at a large level where you don't have that transparency, you have breaches of trust and you create opportunities for because people see patterns, right? Like that's just how we're wired. We're wired to see mm-hmm. patterns. Mm-hmm. That's why we see faces and toast, you know, like it just happens, right? Yeah. Like pattern recognition is how we survive in the wilderness, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why camouflage is so effective because it breaks up those patterns. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it is possible to see patterns where none exist, right? And back to that mention earlier of like, um, the, you know, all those blind spots within the psyche of humanity, right? Like uh, it is 
not only is it possible, but it's likely that if people don't know what's actually going on, they are going to look for a pattern and try mm -hmm. to recreate a scenario that makes sense of the inputs of the data that they do have. Yes. Right. So even if they're not coming up with an accurate reflection of what's going on, they're still coming up with something that makes sense and like is reasonable. Right. Yeah. So like part of my goal and knowing that like, I'm hoping to grow the company and, you know, I'm hoping that we, you know, are able to grow and those sorts of things, which means that there just necessarily will be more distance between like me and our like entry level positions because mm -hmm. I, I just can't directly know that many people, you know, yeah. it's yeah, like, like with going from one shop to two, like we're going from 12 employees to 24, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. right. Like, you know, it's like, how, like, how do you have that many relationships? And you add another one, right? 36 people, like you can, you can have like, passing acquaintance relationships with those people, but you can have deep yeah. intimate relationships where people know yeah. you. Cool. Right. And so it's like, as you, as those kind of things keep happening, if you, if you don't have systems to help facilitate yeah, those funny. transparencies and like clear out any of those issues that happen behind the scenes, mm -hmm. you're creating opportunities for people to see things that aren't there. And that's your responsibility as a leader and as an owner. Right. Yeah. So like, if you don't fix that, that's on you, you know? And so like, that's been for me, it's like, I can see that happening. I've seen that happen to my friends' businesses. I've seen mm -hmm. a, literally one of my friends lose their entire business because not because that they're a bad person, but because they just didn't create these systems for communication. And it like allowed people to create these patterns and scenarios that weren't real. Yeah. And you know, it just harmed everything, you know? So it's like, if you don't do that, like that's going to hurt you over time. Um, and so that's been like a thing for me. It's just like, if I don't create these systems for transparency, even though I'm a very transparent person and I'll happily talk to anybody about it, but if I don't actively communicate within our team and help people know about it, then that's just as good as not being transparent at all. Yeah. So, yeah. I have like a hundred other questions to ask you now because of what you said in the last like five minutes, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to hold it in and I guess we'll just have to have you back. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I'm Let's really see. far away. So <laughs> <laughs> getting me back is probably going to be very difficult. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything you're saying about like, managing your blind spots like allows you to keep moving forward mm -hmm. and allows you to grow um yeah as a person but mm -hmm. also like as narrative like yeah. narrative is growing expanding the bellingham location is like coming up mm -hmm. and it's it's good growth is good it's a yeah. positive trend of seeing something that is alive mm -hmm. you know totally so it's yeah. it's a very very good thing would you say um like i know personally in my life like sometimes i push growth really really hard like sometimes too much like yeah we play soccer on weekends. Like literally I have two bruises <laughs> on my knee because I still think like I can go as hard as I used to. And I want to be like, like everybody's making fun of me. Cause I was complaining about like my like mess ups and like wrong balls. Like why? Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's my not brain okay. still thinks yeah. that I'm doing at this, this level. Yeah. Like, so in a sense, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm like trying to hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure is. Like in a sense, I think that you're washed up, Sergi. <laughs> I know. I should just uh, stand just sideline in, bro. and keep. Dude, side note. I know this is a distraction, but the fact that I had a the fellow cup of a Gesha on the sideline, oh, <laughs> I should have just guy. stuck to the sideline. That's great. When you play yeah. when you play uh, soccer with Mir, they show up 30 minutes before and brew pour overs for, yeah. it, for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> um, but I think uh, just the desire of growth, like the life that it brings, um, is is there such a thing as just pushing it too hard? And oh, totally. when does growth become like 
toxic if that's the thing yeah i think growth at all costs is definitely one of those things and and um again back to that humility point right like knowing your limits and where you sit in the world and knowing when growing is going to be detrimental Mm -hmm. is huge you know and i don't know i am one guy i own now two coffee shops like maybe i'm not the smartest dude in the room or whatever and like there's a lot of like silicon valley wisdom that says like grow 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 and then sell and then you know retire on your money or put it in something else or whatever it's like that's not for me like that's just not who i am Mm -hmm. i'm not interested in doing that like i'm not building this company to sell i'm building this company to create a legacy Mm -hmm. um you know and like i think like costco's style of growth is so much more inspiring to me than Mm -hmm. like you know pick a tech company that's done the thing you know and like yeah i understand that like that's fine if and i get it like if i wasn't deeply passionate about coffee and didn't want to do this for foreseeably for the rest of my life like yeah i would be down to fix a problem and then try to sell that company as soon as humanly possible <laughs> like i get it like mm-hmm. no shade to anybody doing that but it's just not what i'm doing for this company so for me like growing is something that like i am not interested in doing too quickly Um, I'm okay with doing it when I think it makes sense, when I feel like we're in a good, healthy place to be able to facilitate and handle that, when I think that we have the team to be able to do that and, like, the the crew to be able to make that happen, Um, and also just, like, the systems in place to be able to do that, Uh, Mm -hmm. which is why we we haven't expanded. Like, our business plan initially laid out to have three locations within five years and ten within ten. Um, and we're coming up in June, we'll hit year five, uh, of being open in Everett. So, you know, we're at two, uh, so we're a little bit behind, obviously there's been a pandemic in this process, right? But like, that's a fairly manageable growth track, you know, that's not crazy. Um, but with intention of being able to take an imp like build systems, learn from and improve those systems and Mm -hmm. then use those systems to grow a little bit more rapidly than we would have previously. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's kind of the, the mindset there. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, is I'm still not, I'm still not willing to grow at a point where it's going to create, where it's going to over leverage us. Um, so like my growth strategy in terms of how I'm thinking about locations, is it, sort of like this. So if I go from one to two locations and one of those locations fails, that's 50% of my business. If I have 10 locations and one location fails, that's 10% of my business. Yeah. Right. And so like leverage itself is a system or a thing to keep in mind when you're growing. And like, if you, if you get get too big for your britches, right. Like then when you fall, you have nothing to fall back on because nothing can hold you up. Um, so that can be a thing, right? Like growing smart, like smartly growing thoughtfully, (laughs) uh, you know, matters, right. Like, and, and just being sure that, you know, you shouldn't be entirely risk averse, like mm-hmm. business in general, or just anything in life that's worth doing is going to come with some measure of risk period. But, um, managing your risk and being smart about it is also wise. Um, you know, and so for me, um, this is my family's livelihood. Like this is what we live off of, you know, it's like, I don't have wealthy family to like fall back on or anything yeah. like that, you know? So it's like, I have to be really careful. Um, mm-hmm. about making decisions that I'm pretty sure are going to work more than I'm concerned about them working. Right. And like, I'm not opposed to taking risk, like starting a business in general is a risk based yeah, endeavor. Yeah. Right. Like I've signed personal guarantees on my leases that say, if I, my business fails, I will be personally responsible for paying these leases. Uh, you know, and there's all sorts of other risks that come with owning a business and all sorts of mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, but making sure that I'm doing them where I'm pretty sure I can facilitate them better than not is important to me. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's a great answer. That's something I think 
I mean, that's inspiring for Mark and I as like business owners yeah. and like owning a roasting company and um, trying to grow, but also understand what growth within means looks like. Totally. And what, what does growth look like for us, folks who started a roasting company in the pandemic, yeah. um, like two <laughs> yeah. months before the shutdown? Yeah, like, you know what I mean? The, that twenty growth in 2020 looked way different than 2021. Yeah. And we're now at 2022 trying to evaluate what does growth in year three look like totally um so yeah there's always those like means but also the challenge and both mark and i have this personality will where we are both competitive by nature mm -hmm. but we're also um like problem solvers like problems get us excited because we're like dude there must be a solution out there mm -hmm. let's find the solution it's like a scavenger hunt every single time <laughs> yeah it's totally. exciting yeah. um but i know for me like yeah i've definitely experienced like toxic growth yeah like, totally and i think aside like one of my like mirrors for my blind spot like deja has like stepped up to the plate like she's such an outspoken person i'm so grateful mm -hmm. that she's that person that she can be like dude you're screwing up right now like this is bad like and we're and i think when that happens like it's hard to hear of course yeah you know what i mean because not only how hard to hear because it challenges, you know, your ego, but it's hard to hear because I want mirror to grow. Yeah. I want narrative to grow. Like mm -hmm. I want my relationships to flourish. Like, yeah. so I understand how valuable time is like, mm -hmm. but at what cost, like, will I pay for the growth of other things rather than, you know, totally. other important things, maybe like your family, your faith community, like other elements of even hobbies. Like, yeah, you know totally. what I mean? Like, are you willing to sacrifice like playing soccer on Saturdays to go roast some extra batches? I mm -hmm. don't know. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. But I think those are important questions, but, um, dude, I love that answer. It inspires me a lot. So dude, such a good conversation. I bet like we can keep on going forever because <laughs> there's so much to yeah. talk about. And like, dude, just, man, I'm so excited to work with narrative, it's, to work yeah, with I'm you, um, to work with the team. Yeah. Dude, it's awesome. And I'm so glad that like there's this community forming in Bellingham, like with Mir, like with Narrative, with other coffee companies mm -hmm. in Bellingham. So it's freaking excellent. Yeah. I'm like so stoked on it, yeah. dude. So it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Super pumped. So to wrap things up, kind of light hearted uh question I want to talk about. Like what are some like coffees you're uh looking forward to just in the near future, maybe some farmers that have been on your radar producers yeah, yeah. Like um i mean i i think that this has been one of the most exciting times on the like green end of the spectrum mm -hmm. um obviously 2020 like pandemic things have made supply chains challenging and i know yeah. you guys know that roasting is particularly challenging around that uh, but you know it's like the the level of innovation that's happening at the farm level in terms of flavor development is unbelievable right now yeah. it's one of the most exciting times to be in coffee to me um because it's like not only do we have a better understanding of the science of like what's happening on a chemical level of mm -hmm. when producers are doing certain things, but um, just the overall feedback loop is actually way stronger yeah. across the supply chain. Now, a lot of producers now actually will come to places where a lot of their coffees are being sold and have a try to taste what people are after and then produce for that in mind. Wow. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's been like discussion about whether or not we're out of the third wave and into the fourth wave or yeah. fifth wave or new wave or whatever. And like, yeah. to me, to me, third wave has always been about flavor at the farm level and 
I personally don't think we're out of the third wave yet. I think we're just maturing in it and seeing it's very good. the yeah. realities of that finally come to fruition. The work that was started in 2005 is finally really coming yeah. home to roost, and we're really getting to reap these rewards now where coffee tastes better than it has ever tasted throughout history, period. Like, it is the best it's ever tasted right now, and that's super mm -hmm. exciting to me. Like, I've been in coffee for, you know, almost 10 years, and I, like, critically in coffee for 10 years, and I've been, mm -hmm. like, actively thinking about and tasting coffee for over 10 years, and it's like, I still have stuff that blows my mind. Like, yeah. like you know, I've tasted thousands. Literally, you can check. I have tasted thousands and thousands of coffees, and I have data to support it, yeah. and I still get my mind blown, you know, and that's really exciting to me. So I'm just overall excited. Um, my favorite coffees lately have been from Diego Bermudez yeah, um, totally. and their farm at El Paraiso. Um they're really fun. Um, the flavors that they're developing are really exciting to me. They're really fun. I think they're really clean and tasty. Um, yeah. I know not everybody, like, you know, people are going to have different opinions on those things, but I think they're Fair. delicious. Yeah. And um, so I would say probably Diego's coffees are, like, the most exciting to me mm -hmm. right now. But there's so many amazing producers out there just, like, absolutely crushing it. Um, you know, and, like, even the fact that we just like can casually toss out producer names and I know, we now know those people like that. That is the ethos of third wave. That is exactly yeah. the project that we've been trying to get to for a, such a long time. And it's happening. And that's yeah. so rad. Yeah. You know, it's like, I could you talk about Graciano Cruz or like the, the Petersons or, you know, like Ida bet. Yeah. Like, you know, and, yeah. and people, if you know coffee a little bit, you know, all those names mm -hmm. and that's yeah. so freaking cool to me. So I think seeing that continue to like, take home and take root and like get out to people. Um, I think it's going to be the most exciting thing. Yeah. So anyway, Diego's coffees. I'm always stoked on killer stoked on where everything is at right now on a coffee level. Pretty, pretty exciting times in my opinion. Same. Yeah. dude. So good. And I'm like only year five starting year five in coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So pretty stoked on it. Heck yeah. Dude, such a good episode. Again, thanks for coming out. I feel like for me personally, we're making like a full circle because the first time I've ever heard of narrative or you was a podcast, nice. break it down podcast, Matt nice. Carter, big shout out. So cool. heard about that hollered at Mark, Mark checked down. He actually, didn't you pull up to narrative and it wasn't open yet? Oh, word. Yeah. Cool. Goes to some, I found narrative, like the address drove up and it was like, nothing there I'm cool. Like, cool all right yeah that makes <laughs> sense back. i yeah. think there have been a few people pulling up the narrative in bellingham that have had yeah. the same issue because like the folks at elizabeth yeah. station are like do we have people coming in they're like where's the coffee at yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the the history continues yeah <laughs> from you know starting on one podcast cool. doing another yeah. and now helping with opening narrative bellingham yeah, super dude. stoked yeah. so the circles can continue to come around yeah just expanded it's like a spiral yeah. just another round yeah, yeah. so super stoked yeah thank you so. and um folks thanks for listening again this was a excellent episode i hope that um one you just got something out of it but two you're encouraged um you're inspired and um don't forget folks reflect what's good is that what we say at the end Mark, I absolutely. I think that's what you should say. Oh, yeah. perfect. Uh, Max says it. That yeah, yeah. That's it. You guys, you yeah. guys are reflecting what's good. So Dude, keep doing it. Go. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me.